I get to spend time with a lot of great people. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they're friends or friend of friends, um, you know, CEOs, um, you know, you know, uh, politicians and things like that. So, um, and I get to learn from these people a lot. Um, and I think one thing I'm, I've realized, it's like, whenever I talk with like a big time executive from like a Fortune 500 company, you know, at dinner or something like that, and I'm like, wow, you're like, you know, in your 40s or 50s or something like that. Like you have all the experience that to start something, why have you started it? And they're usually like, well, I've, because I've never felt ready. Dope. So we got another episode of Adversity Kings. We have special guest today, Claude, correct? Yep. Yep. Correct pronunciation? The real pronunciation, well, the real French pronunciation is Claude, but most people don't. It's all right. So what's the full name? The full gov? The full name? Yep. Well, it's really Claude Bungissimis. Okay. Um, In Haiti, you get get called by your middle name. Okay. So, um, so like, um, so it's actually only here I get called Claude. Or yeah. by, by, by my family, I'm like called by my middle name. What do close friends call you? Cla- well, just like close friends, like are they Haitian or are they here? Like my close Either. friends in Haiti call me Claude. No, call me my middle name. Okay. And then my close friends will call me Claude because they don't know my middle name. It's like a cultural difference thing. Okay. And so let's let's talk about, so growing up for you. You grew up in Haiti or you grew up here? It, it's It's almost like... It's like I grew up in two parts because I came here when I was like twelve or eleven. Yes. So, um, so I'd say the first half of my early childhood was in Haiti, and the second, the second half was here. What was growing up in Haiti like? It was a lot of fun, man. I mean, it's like you know, life was very simple. Yes. Um, I think life is generally simple when you're a kid, but I think it was especially simple in Haiti. Yes. Um, I don't think I worried about a lot. Um, you know, like we we took pleasure in the simple things, like playing soccer in the neighborhood. Um, does this the street food was really good? I remember um, scofritage. Um, you know, I mean every 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 summer you have to worry about hurricanes. I think um, yeah. you know more than here, but other than that, you know, it was great. Like you know, growing up spoke two languages: Haitian, Creole, and French. Um, you know, the, the country went through its fair share of rough patches and still going through that now. But um, I don't think that resonated a lot with me as a kid. Um, yeah, you're so a young. lot of soccer, too, like World Cups, like World Cup and Copa America time was definitely like a big thing. Yeah. So we look forward to those. What brought you to America? My parents were studying. Um, so my parents are like pastors and missionaries. And oh, okay. uh, so they came here to get their, their master's degree. I mean, like divinity, um, and uh, we all came because we all had green cards at that point, so yeah. we could just like come here and stay and go to school. So that was the main. I think when I and I, I think when I came here it was like around like 2010. I yeah. think a lot of people assume it's because of the earthquake. Actually, it had nothing to do with that. Um, my parents were studying. Okay. Yeah. And so, as you're transitioning into America, did you come straight to Chicago, or were there other states you lived in? No, I think, I mean, I spent like a semester of seventh grade in Miami, but it's because we have relatives in Miami and like every Haitian is in Miami. But I'd say we came, I'd say that three months, you know, compared to the amount of time I spent here. Yeah. It's basically direct to Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And so you, 2010, you came here, 20, you're tw- yeah. 
2011. Yeah, early 2011. And then you were 13, 14? No, I was like 11 or 12. 11 or 12? Yeah. So when were you born? 98? 97. 97? So somebody do the math on that. Whatever okay. That math is. You're a year older than me. You're 25. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you would have been so, damn. I'm sort of horrible at math too. I was 12, so you, yeah, you would have been. Yeah, I was like 11. Yeah, you I, know, I know 12. I was in seventh grade, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. dope. So, Chicago, you plant here. What is that high school life like growing up? <laughs> it was a very like. Um, and were you four languages deep? Creole, Haitian, French, and English? Creole, three. Three. Three, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't know English at that point, so I had to learn okay. it. But I didn't like go to classes to learn or anything. Your English I, sounds very like even the accent isn't very like heavy, heavy. Yeah, I yeah I think um, yeah I, I well I think around that age too it's like it's fairly easy to pick up a new language. Yes. Um, but um, but yeah I did not uh, I you know watch a lot of TV, read comic books. Yeah. Um, that helped. Um, high school was an interesting time. Like, I went to you know I went to a very it's. It, we were living in Deerfield because that's my parents went to Trinity, but like, but like, it's not like we could afford it, you know. Like Deerfield is like a very wealthy place. We're not wealthy, actually. We're fairly poor and broke. But um, so it created kind of this. My high school years are very interesting because it was like, in high, like going to school, you have you're kind of seeing like this completely different life that you're not used to. Yeah. Like literally kids coming in like Rolls Royces and Bentleys. Yeah. <laughs> and then at home, you know, you're like, uh, like we may not have enough money for food that week. Yes. Or something, right? Yes. So it kind of cracks, kind of living in two different worlds. Um, kind of seeing a world that I, I was aspiring to be at some point. Yeah. And kind of a world that I, you know, I, um, that was the the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, so it was like every day. It was kind of like a, a, it was like living in two very different worlds. Like one was a very like privileged bubble, and the other one was not. So financially speaking, what did what did you love, and what were you passionate about in high school? Like, what were you heavily involved in? <laughs> I did model UN once. I think like sophomore year or freshman year, model United Nations because I had like a. I thought I was gonna. I wanted to be an economist, so like I would want to get involved in like public policy um, at some point. Um, I don't know. I watch a lot of CNBC, and like whenever I saw the Economist, like you no. Know, so at a young age, talk. you were inspired. Yeah, no, for sure. I was watching a lot of business shows. Okay. Yeah. CNBC is Cockbox in the morning. Um, what turned you on to that at such a young age? Um, again, like I think I was really aspiring to be somewhere that. I was not used to when I came here because I think our lives really changed when we came here. Yeah. And um, I think I became very aware of the world, of yeah. how the world worked at a very rather young age. So, and I understood like to be somewhere that's, to be somewhere, to be somebody at some point, like you probably have to get involved in those things. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think like the, the inspiration probably came from... I watched a documentary about Mark Cuban also. Yeah. It's called Beyond the Glow with Mark Cuban. Um, and it entirely changed my life, the course of my life, because I... You kind of realize, like... Because in Haiti, there's no, there's no, like, caste system, but the economic group that you're born into is probably the one that you're going to die into. So, like, watching that documentary about him, going see him going from, like, a middle-class, like, a lower-middle-class guy from Pittsburgh to going to IU... 
Um, and then eventually like starting a tech company and then starting another tech company as you know, then became a billionaire and then buying the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, kind of showed like, oh, like if you if you dedicate yourself to something, work hard, you know, get a little lucky at some point, um, you know, you could really build something amazing that, you know, could could change your life and your entire generation's life. So um I think that that documentary was a start for me. Um and then, um, yeah, I just, like, really got into, like, watching a lot of Shark Tank and CNBC stuff. Yeah. So with that inspiration and then also real quick in regard to what's the government style then in uh, Haiti? It's a democracy. A democracy. Yeah. So okay. president every five years. Every five years? Yeah. Okay. And you have to, and yeah, I think you can only be president twice, but not in a row. So you have to be president once. You know, someone else win the other yeah. one, then you can run again, and then you're done. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So you have that inspiration of business shows, different things like that. Now yeah. you graduate high school. What What are the next steps? <laughs> I think the next. So the next step after high school. Well, I knew I didn't want to go to college. I did not want to go to college. Um, were your parents alright that? At, at the beginning, they were not fans of the idea, but they were still very supportive, which yeah. I think um, I'm very grateful for. Like, and that's the one thing I think has played a role, a giant role into where I'm at today, it's just my parents being very supportive of me, um, just emotionally and also, um, yeah, and also believed in me. Um, and, you know, whenever I had some crazy dream, you know, like, oh, you, you, know, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so having that assurance, I think, um, was very helpful, just like it grounded you just like from an emotional standpoint. So. I was not really looking for like outside validation, you know, having that. So I don't think there were fans of the idea at first. Um, I started a company right after high school. There was like this tool, if you own a fleet of cars, you can order a mechanic on demand to come fix the car. So the, you know, the inspiration was, uh, you know, let's say you're like a plumbing business or a cleaning company. My thesis was, if you have to drop your car off at the repair shop for a few days, you know, business kind of stops from there because, like, the car is the business. Um, so it's better to get a mechanic to come fix it on, on demand. And um, that company failed <laughs> um, because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I think directionally it was actually a good idea. Yeah. But uh, I just didn't have the founder market fit. Um to kind of propel it. And I just, like, I think there's a lot I needed to learn about the world, too. But... That same angel investor who backed me, this guy named Brian Lorsen, ended up hiring me at his company that he had started at that point. And I think he had raised like half a million dollars for it. And he's like, well, you've been doing this for a year and a half or a couple of years, whatever it was. Um, why don't you join this company that I've started? You know, we, we have some money. You know, you have an actual salary. And, um, and I took it. And so yeah. are, you still, are you still there? No, <laughs> no, no, oh, okay. not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, but it was like my first real tech job. Okay, and I was and so like, I think I was nineteen at the point. What did that consist of? As um, so, it was an app called Orchard. The business pivoted into an idea now, but it was an app called Orchard, where it helps you cultivate your relationships. So, if you have a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, say, hey, you haven't reached out to Bob or Sarah or someone like that. Um, time to catch up. Or if you're going to a trip to New York, you would say, hey, like. There's this person that you know in New York. It's time to catch up with them, um, you know, grab a coffee. So it helps you, like, gives you reminders to cultivate your relationships and just, um, you know, would pinpoints different things. Um, and I joined there as product, growth product manager. Okay. Yeah. And that consisted of a, of a lot. It, it consisted, of, consisted of actually doing the job of a growth product manager 
and also everything else like getting bagels for the office and um, you know doing user research doing uh, it was like five of us and I was the youngest and most junior person on the team so um, but it was you know it was a great experience we got accepted into Y Combinator which is like the premier um, you know startup accelerator in the world so moved to the west coast to be part of that um, Silicon Valley so um, yeah, that was a you know a great experience. Um, forever grateful to Brian for that. What was the most valuable thing you took from that experience? That's a good question. Um, I think a couple things. I think from Brian, like I really learned a lot about like, just like how to work. Because like at that point, like no one teaches you how to be a professional. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like no one teaches you how to send an intro email or like. Um, you know, how to communicate to your team, how to, like, you, no one teaches you that stuff, right? So, um, so like, I think one, just the general th- basic things was, like, just how to be a working professional. Um, I think that that's, you know, that's probably the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what happened after that? Where'd you go? So after that, the business pivoted into a new idea, um, which is now called DraftBit, which is, um, it's a tool... That helps to build mobile apps by dragging and dropping. Um, so like it's like a no-code tool. Um, and at that point, it kind of became a very like technical, technical idea, you know. Um, that's like I, I don't think I was like a, a good fit for it anymore. Um, because like it was an idea that I was also I wasn't like um extremely passionate about. Yeah, yeah. I think I was yeah. far more part passionate about like the cultural relationship piece. And then I went to another company called Visibly. Um, and it was a seed stage company at the point, then it became Series A. It's called, um, it's an online vision test company. So I joined there to um, do user research. Um, so I was in the R&D team. Oh, basically, I was the R&D team. <laughs> it was like a 50-person company. I was working right under the co-founder, um, who's like the scientist. Um, and just thinking about, like, my job was entirely thinking about, like, what are some other, you know, vision tests that we can we can include into our digital like offerings. Like eye exams? Eye exams, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, like, instead of going to the optometrist to get a vision test, you'd get it on your computer, mm-hmm. and it would, like, give you the results of your glasses. Oh, wow. That you should get, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so how long were, we th- were you there? I was there for about a year, um, and then we didn't get FDA approval. Okay. The whole thing kind of shut down at that point. Well, I think it's back now, okay. um, for the record. But at the point, I was uh, we didn't get out of the upper row. What was the lesson you got out of that season of life? Oh man, so many. <laughs> I could literally talk the entire. <laughs> wow, no, I mean, so many. Um, one, I burned myself out a lot. I yeah. was working way too hard. I mean, it's like you know, essentially, it was my own fault. But um, yeah, even like. There was a point I was working so hard, like there was a, there was a, there was a, um, I remember there was the, um, a big project I was working on around like, it was like a holiday time in December. And, um, and I had, I essentially had to call that one because I was so stressed. Yeah. I was so stressed. I've never been that stressed in my life. Thankfully, that's never happened again, but it was like a, a big low for me. Yeah. yeah. Would you say um, that's the hardest adversity you've faced in your life? Like that hardest low season? Hardest adversity? No, I mean, you know, I don't think anything can be worse than, like, a death of a relative or something. Yeah. You know? So I don't think that's the hardest, but it was definitely, a t- I'd say, top top ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, that, you know, not work yourself out, work not your, work yourself to burn out. Um, so find that balance was one. Two, 
Um, just personally, as I want to build a company at some point, you know, being more thoughtful around, um, you know, regulations and uh, regula- regulation hurdle they have to think about. Um, and I think third, just be more mindful about, you know, whenever I'm running my company in the future, mindful about, you know, how we're spending money and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So as you transition from that season to the next season, where did, where did you go? Uh, a company called ShopRunner, which is, um, and eventually it got sold to FedEx. But I joined there as doing user research, design research. Um, and um, what was ShopRunner? ShopRunner was, is, it still exists. It was taking, um, you know, the power of like, what Amazon Prime is and providing that to every other brand. But like, it was mostly like very luxurious brands like Saks Fifth Avenue. I think also like Gucci and, you know, those other, those other ret- retailers that are, you know, fairly, you know, affluent. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was doing design research there. Any lessons out of that experience? Lessons. Um, I made some great friends and great colleagues, and uh, and I got to work with Sammy again, who is now like one of my closest mentors and friends now. Um, he is the found he was the CEO there, but he's also the founder of Sparknotes, the founder wow. of OkCupid. Um, so you know, like being able to see his working style and being rich, able rich, to close, yeah, no, nah, he's yeah, he's done very well. <laughs> yes, um, and uh, yeah, so he's not now like. You know, someone I definitely like. I have on speed dial. You know, whenever I'm thinking about yeah. what I'm doing next and things like that, someone I, you know, very close advisor of mine. That's very sweet. Friend. Yeah. Let's jump into the next. Where do you Where do you go next? And then I was at Forager, product manager again. Um, what Forager was like logistics, and that company got sold too. By the way, Forager. Now, got sold did you get any equity in the uh, selling? The, when you sell a company, it's an exit, correct? It's an exit, but no, my equity wasn't did not okay. invest at that point. Um, okay. Yeah, that would have been nice. But no. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and then Forager, it was like a, still exists. It's a, um, a cross-border logistics tech platform. So you're able to get, uh, so let's say, you know, kind of like an Uber for cross-border logistics of like North America. Mm-hmm. So like carriers are able to find shippers um, to put their stuff in to send to Mexico, U.S., or Canada. Um, yeah. So I was the product manager for the carrier side. Dope. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I ended up taking, and that was like, a, like right after 2020. And thankfully, like, my job was not affected by 2020 at all, like by the whole pandemic. Yeah. Um, and after that, I, took, I literally took some time off. I quit. I took some time off for a few months. You know, to go back to Haiti, spend by my parents, because um, at that point I was like, I hadn't seen my parents for a while, um, and kind of went through the whole shutdown without seeing them because they're they're in Haiti, and then I couldn't travel to see them, they couldn't travel to see me, so um, just I was just like, I think I, I reached a point there again of like burnout, so just yeah. like, kind of chill for a bit. Um, yeah, I was, you know, thankfully I was also like in in a good financial situation to to be able to do that. I know not a lot of people are able to do that, but um, yeah. So you were solid. Yeah. And then after a couple months, take a break, then what? And then I went, then I felt like I really wanted to be at a larger company. Yeah. Um, Because I've always been at less than 200 person companies. Yeah. Um, And uh, after that, um, there's a few opportunities I was juggling, but ended up going to a company called ActiveCampaign, worth over a billion dollars. 
um, I think also like over a thousand employees. Um, and so to me, that's big. I know 1,000 employees for some people. It's like, oh, that's so small. But to me, that was big. Um, so I joined as product, product manager leading the mobile app product there. Um, and yeah, that was my first time in a larger company. Um, so I think there was a lot of lessons there. Just, um, you know, I think for us, I had a very good manager. Um, and yeah, it was, it was interesting to navigate. It's a different level of like navigation than a small startup. Yeah. yeah. So what was the biggest thing from that company? Um, I think, what did I learn at DC? I think being able to communicate your vision and making sure and like getting people ex- around you excited about it. Yeah. Um, is key. And I had a, had a manager that helped me do that pretty well. Um, and Veronica. So shout out to her. She lives in Denver. Um, so I think that was that, you know that was that was a, a big part for me just like like team wide communication yeah um, and especially in the remote world because like we're not we're not in office um, and uh, yeah I think communication was was probably the biggest thing here yeah so where did you go next 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 and then next is very unexpected um, earlier this year well to get back like last year when vaccines started to become more available and people are kind of going out um, a bit more, I started, you know, just... It, mind you, at that point, I'm kind of like five, six years in now in the tech industry. So yeah. um, I know quite a few people and quite a few people know me. So I was like, you know, why not just start gathering people um, for fun? Um, so me, my friend Abinaya, I was a VC in Chicago. Eric Dubow, who works at, you know, he's an executive at Relativity... And my friend Tony, who's um, who's like a vice president at CBRE, um, you know, we're like, you know, let's start getting people together, like in very fun, you know, networking style, networking style parties, and um, and every time we do them, more people want to get involved, more people want to come, more sponsors want to get involved, and um, so yeah, so it's just doing that for fun, and then earlier this year, I was at my friend's birthday party, Desiree. Uh, she's an executive at the company that I'm working at now. Um, and uh, I told, you know, we were talking about things we want to do in the future and things like that. And, uh, and you know, I was, you know, telling her, you know, about like kind of like some changes I want to make about my future. And she's like, oh, what about, you know, P33, which is why I work now. She's like, what about it? Um, because like, it was like the first moment of my life or my career life where I was not working Actively working in building products, software products, or managing the the deve- development process of software products, um, because it's like a fairly fluid world. Um, the world did not exist, so to make it up for me and things like that. Um, so yeah, I chatted with her at the party, and then chatted with her again at you know <laughs> at a more uh, you know another meeting when when everyone was sober, um, and yeah, and then chatted with a few executives from there and then one thing led to another I ended up taking it yeah what sold you on wanting to work there um well one it's a great team um and it's an org that started by you know Chris Gladwin who's a very well known entrepreneur in Chicago so this company of Cleverset for a bil- over a billion dollars Penny Pritzker obviously she's a you know super smart businesswoman in her own right um and also, like, so the team, you know, the founding team, I think, is, you know, is part of it. Um, I think also the team that I get to work with, I mean, it's like a team of super high caliber people. Like, 
our CEO, you know, spent 20 years at BCG, became um, like a, like a, a big partner there. Uh, Desiree is a two, two times or three time entrepreneur. Nuon, our CEO is, uh, and again, like our chief operating officer, like, you know, from the UK, um, came here, like it was a big, big time consultant at Deloitte. Like literally everyone is like a baller. Um, and you get to be part of that, you know? So I, so I was very excited about that. Plus I think it, it also allowed me to like do what I was doing for fun. Um, yeah. Now just like my day job, which is like bringing the community together. That's part of it. But I think the other part is just creating a lot of network effects for founders and venture capitalists and talents. Um, yeah. Too quick. So what do you, what do you find with, with all of this? Where do you find the direction in your vision for the next five, ten years, <laughs> roughly? Yeah, yeah. I usually don't think about. Uh, yeah, I think directionally, I think I know where. Like, I want to be a founder. Again. Yes. Yeah, I really want to take a big bet on myself in my twenties again. Um, I think. Um, yeah. The more I think about, like, at this point, I've met. You know, I get to spend time with a lot of great people. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they're friends or friend of friends. Um, you know. CEOs, um, you know, you know, uh, politicians and things like that. So, um, and I get to learn from these people a lot. Um, and I think one thing I'm, I've realized, it's like, whenever I talk with like a big time executive from like a Fortune 500 company, you know, at dinner or something like that, and I'm like, wow, you're like, you know, in your 40s or 50s or something like that. Like you have all the experience that to start something. Why haven't you started it? And they're usually like, because I've never felt ready. And um, and whenever I talk with my friends who are younger, who are like in their early 30s and some late 20s that have, you know, a couple major companies here in Chicago, some worth some worth over a billion dollars, they said that, you know, they wish they had started earlier. So it's like you'll never feel ready. And, the, you know, when you have the experience and then the people that have started it, things, you know, you know, looking back, they're like, you know, they're like, uh, it's because, you know, I wish I had started earlier. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess, you know, you just got to take the job at some point. Yes. Do you, do you have anything in mind that you want to, obviously yeah. being in the tech industry, but yeah, is there anything? I, I think there's a few things I'm thinking about. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably like, it's, <laughs> it's like telling like a rapper to maybe like, to, like talk about his new lyrics. You probably don't want to. No, 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 no. I think there's a few things I'm, I'm thinking about, but um, nothing that can be public yet. Yes. So what about who, who are the like top two or three, like biggest inspirations for you right now? And then I also want to jump into your top two or three mentors like yeah. that you have access to right now, but more so even your top two or three, like people that you are inspired by. I don't like to say like looked up to because once yeah. you, once you get around so many like high caliber individuals, you start to realize it's not really like a an idolatry. It's more so of like inspiration right. and and uh, just a humble mindset of uh, you know I'd love to jump into something like that. So, who who are those two or three people for you? Um, inspiration currently. Well, my you know my my immediate family for sure is always a big inspiration for me. My it's my parents and my brother, my older brother. Um, so, um, you know, they've been inspiring me ever since I was a kid because they've, they've all I know. So for sure, my parents and my brother, um, think when I think of inspiration, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I get inspired by, I, I, you know, I, I think usually people name, name drop 
in the inspiration thing. Um, but I think like when I think of my friends, people that I spend time with, I'm inspired by all of them in, in different ways, right? Um, I think of my friend Bree, for example, like she's a, she's a therapist and she's like one of the most smartest and most thoughtful people, thoughtful people that I know. And she doesn't care about like wealth or power or anything like that. But, you know, so it's like, um, so I get inspired by her. Um, you know, think of, you know, like Abinaya, for example, um, you know, again, like she's an amazing friend, someone that is doing big things, um, that will continue to do big things. Um, you know, she's honestly like, we're about the same age, I think, but like, she's actually someone I call whenever, like when I, I need advice on something. Yeah. Actually just the way that she thinks about things. So people like Landon and things like that. So, um, no, I think in general, I try to surround myself with some pretty amazing people. Um, that um, and that creates a very low drama, <laughs> low drama life for me because I surround myself with very smart, accomplished, and intelligent people. So I think I get inspired by you know a lot of my friends. So I guess that kind of answers the second question yeah. as well of like the top two or three mentors, people you reach out to. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I think of the top three people, like Amanda Leonard from Joe Vision for sure. Um, she's the CEO of Joe Vision, um, one of the best CEOs Chicago has to offer, and really one of the best. CEOs the United States has to offer. Um, Sammy again, um, you know, Brian Lorson, um, who started Orchard, that's not draft bit. Um, you know, Chris Deutsch, Jonathan Ellis, like it just, I can name, can name a lot. Steven Gallinus of Cameo, um, you know, can, can, name, can name a few people, but yeah. Now, let's kind of go a little bit off topic right. of uh, more so just kind of like, Hobbies, you know what I mean. Like, what what do you, what do you, what do you do to, I guess, essentially fuel the anti burnout? What what what's the, what gets you just stimulated? The gym for sure. Yeah, Um, I enjoy the gym. Um, Not as good as you, but uh, (laughs) someday I'll get there. Uh, It's like half my business. I go there to try recruit people too. Oh really? Oh wow. Yeah. So it's like it's it's two two birds one stone. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I think those are the best hundred percent commission people. Oh, is it really? Wow. I've, I th- I, statistically, for for our company, it looks like just those those individuals that are interesting. I don't know, hyper competitive. You'll find a lot of competitive individuals. Mm. The hundred percent commission is is uh, is interesting, man. I, I don't think I, I don't think I have it in me to do it. Yes, you do. You're talking about being a founder, dude. That's a hundred percent commission. Yeah, but like I think I'm building equity for the future. You're hoping, but I guess like yeah, you're kind of building that too. But yes, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I call them micro founders, insurance salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, the gym. Um, Spending time with my friends. So I, I go out to eat a lot. Like I don't cook, so um, yes. you know, for every meal. So like um, you know, whether it's like Soho House, I spend a lot of time there now. Um, is that a, I always see? Is that a club? What is it? It's it's a secret society. It makes I want to like <laughs> jo- I want to like join it. I see Soho. And I'm like no. I'm like why am I not, not a part of the Soho? No, honestly, I don't know how to do. It's like it is sort of like a cool country club, I guess. Yeah, it like, looks like it. I was like, oh, do they just play golf like and no, at the top of a high rise? No. Unfortunately, no. I guess fortunately though, because I hate golf. I um, hate golf. I tried to do a real estate deal once, and they took me out on a golf yeah. uh, a golf course. And after the opening hole, they were just like, you want to just keep score in the uh in the card i was like yeah i got i got calls to make it anyways it's all good it's such a boring sport like so i've boring. never played it but i got respect look, for tiger woods but yeah, other than that i'm like it doesn't look fun like no. I, have a, I have a couple friends that are really passionate about it and i'm like good for you guys but yeah. like it's not for me 
I'll do Top Golf once a year, twice a year, just yeah, it's for like the a food. Once a year kind of thing. I like to. <laughs> they have donut holes, with, and they have like fillable sauces, and yeah. I like drink the sauce. It's, it's. Uh, I got a sweet tooth. Do you have a sweet tooth? I do. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate so, chip cookies. The ones from Jewel Osco are actually pretty good because they make them fresh every day. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I yeah. but I'm always skill. I like the skillet cookie desserts. That's right. a go-to for me. Uh, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I love that too. What's your favorite restaurant in Chicago? Well, there's a Haitian restaurant in Chicago called Kids in Creole. I love that place because you know it reminds me of home. So I say that's my favorite. I don't know if I've seen that on your story. I feel like it's always made no, one ash you, no, in Soho. You, no, you've seen that. Yeah? I think I've posted it a couple of times. Um, I just don't go there often because it's a far drive. Okay. Um, and then. Second, I'd say Bavette's. It's an amazing steakhouse. Yeah. Um, RPM, can't go wrong with that. Um, RPM seafood. Both, like seafood and Italian. I don't think I've been to the Italian. Is it good? Is it better than Gibson's Italia? I've heard that one's really good. Oh, that's a good question. I haven't been to either. Both my favorites. I eat out a lot, basically, for those who are listening. Um, But, um, and in the West, there's a couple of good spots too. Lira, Greek, Greek spot. Love Lira. There's a Greek spot around here that's always packed. Yeah, it it is. I think that's the one that you're talking about. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's always packed. Yeah, always packed. But I know. I know someone that I can get me in. So whenever you want to go, that let me know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'll be seeing. I'm like, I, anytime I contact these places, we'll say whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, you just had to book it. You know, in a couple of weeks. It's not horrible, but sometimes I'm more spontaneous. Yeah. And then I end up. It's just hard to be going spontaneous the there because yeah, they're 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 in high demand. Yes. Um, I travel quite a bit whenever I'm off. So, you know, past 15 months, done Paris, Barcelona. What's London. your favorite place you've been? Oh, I'm in Paris for sure. Paris? Paris was a vibe, yeah. And you you just speak to everybody? Yeah, I speak, yeah. I speak French, so. And fluently read everything, speak I everything? Can, yeah. I can fluently read. I can, I'm pretty fairly good at the fluently speaking. Because I don't speak it as much anymore. So I think I'm, I'm going to start to lose it at some point. But I still got it a little bit. Are you way go out and explore like art and different things, food, or are you like a inside homebody? No, I, when I'm traveling? In general, both. Um, I think I'm inside homebody when I'm tired, but in general, I want to be out. Um, you know, I pretty much just sleep in my apartment. So when I'm traveling, it's like I enjoy going out when I'm traveling. Like I never make a list of things I want to do, except like restaurants, you know, big time restaurants I want to hit. Yeah. But besides that, um, yeah, kind of just like wake up, just start walking in one direction. Because I think like one of the reasons I, I go that far is because we all live very, I certainly do, like a very scheduled life. Mm-hmm. And like with that expectation set on myself, others setting expectations on me every day. So it's like the one time I get to like do truly do whatever I want. Yeah. And I can wake up one day and sleep all day and doesn't matter to anyone. Yeah. Or I can just go go to the Eiffel Tower or, you know, go out to the club, come back like three AM or something. You know? Yeah. It's like, It'd be know, cool. I do whatever I want. Yeah. Do you have a favorite movie or T V show? <laughs> Yo, my favorite movie is um, it's a tie between Rush Hour and Office Space. Rush Hour movies are so fun. Yeah. I used to watch it with my mom all the time. And I think like they have the trilogy back on Netflix right now. Yes, so, they do. They uh, do. So I've been watching that. Favorite TV show, is, I think it's a... Office Space is hilarious, too. Office Space is great. He loves Office Space. <laughs> it's such a great show. Yeah. movie. Yes. Um, 
I'd say it's a tie between The Office and Family Guy. I, well, I go to I go to sleep with Family Guy on every night. Yeah, I love Family. Like I, I watch Family Guy every night. Too. Yeah. Like I watch, and, and like I can. It watch never it gets soon. old. It never gets old. Yeah. It never, <laughs> it gets, never old. gets old. And it's just enough where it's like I'm not so so sucked in where I got to finish the episode where so I can fall asleep. Right. And I love to fall asleep laughing because it's like such a stressful it's ass a, day. Dude, I do the exact so same like, thing. You know what? I do I'm the exact same to, thing. No matter what happens, Peter Griffin's on the screen. Talk, yeah. It's like you know what I mean. I could have a huge negative day or whatever it might be, and it's like Family Guy's on. I'm gonna it's go to sleep laughing. And also, like, there are, like, real-life scenarios where you see it, too. You see, like, the, yeah. the what, what is, not the flashbacks, but they have a name for them, the, the cutaways. Yeah. The cutaways. And, yes. <laughs> and then you notice them in real life sometimes, where you're like, oh, man, that's definitely from Family Guy. Yes. Definitely from Family Guy. So, um, it's such a quotable show. I love it. So uh, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. So, foods, movies, shows, I don't know if there's anything else I really wanted to... Uh Music, kind of tough. Music. I wanted to get in. I already know you love oh, Meek I mean, Mill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. I've been to Philly once. Sure. I went to. Uh, we had an office out there. My my partner has an office there, yeah. and uh, near, I think, in King of Prussia. And so I always, I mean, Meek Mill. I, I think uh, you're in Pennsylvania. It's something that's just. Right. In, I think I first time I heard Meek Mill. I think I was like nine. He's the mayor's, the governor's, everything. When do you have you met him? I have not met him, unfortunately. You've got to be one connection away from. But me. I know, I know, I am. I know, I am. You're one. You yeah. you probably know. Like it's probably I there. I know someone who is very close with Michael Rubin. Yeah, who's obviously very close to me. So, but I'm just waiting for the right opportunity to like yeah. send that text to be like, hey, make that happen. Yeah. Um, but I do have that as a card in my back pocket. Do you have a planned conversation? A plan like. Well, how's it, how's it, how's the, how's it going to go? Well, the thing is I've seen him play, I've seen him live. I saw him, I flew to Cleveland this year for all-star weekend. Yeah. It was an after party he was performing at. I went there. So I've seen him live, like at a club. Uh, he performed Dreams and Nightmares and you know, all the, all the hits. Favorite three songs from me. Oof, man. That's like asking someone like who their favorite child is, you know? I can um, quote these old ass songs I used to listen to. From I me. mean, Dreams yeah, and Nightmares for sure. So that's, that's a, that's a no brainer. I'm a boss. The last one, I'd say. 1942 Flows, man. Have you heard Amen by him? Oh, yeah, 100%. Fire song. I mean, come on. That's what I grew up. Yeah. Rocking Amen, trying to ride a skateboard. I remember 11, on 12 the, years I, old. If I had a couple bonus ones on the regular. Woo, the intro on the last one, Expensive Pain. That's always fire hit on me. Have you heard Won't Stop? Won't Stop by Meek? Mm-hmm. No, wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait, play, it, play it, even though it me- if it messes up the algorithm, let's I'm gonna see. play it. Let's see, it's gonna pop on loud. Oh, oh. oh that is vintage me. Yeah, this is old. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, she doesn't know the name. Yeah, that's vintage me. Oh yeah, this yeah. shit's old, old. This shit bangs. This is good to end with, though. I think Meek Mill. Oh yeah, that is yeah. Good to wrap up with. Is there anything else you want to uh, talk about? Shout out anything at all? You know, where can people find you? Anybody you want to plug in? Whatever. Three people are um, probably still watching right now. What's that? Three people are probably still watching right now. Is it live? It's not live, but oh. I'm saying like oh. <laughs> when they when they do get in, oh, I know man. my mom will watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um. I feel like we've, we've touched all the all the things, you know. A lot, you know. Um, yeah, just you know, for those that are listening, just keep doing your thing, chasing your dreams, like Meek. 
Yeah, and find that balance though too. Find a balance. Find a yeah, balance. Don't, yeah. hurt. Don't I, hurt. I yourself. think a lot of the burnout too sometimes can be comparison and holding yourself to such a. I'm, I'm, I don't. I never tell people don't don't not hold yourself to a high standard, yeah. but. Be, be graceful with yourself. Be be loving to yeah. yourself. I always tell people the number the number one most important job for you in regard to being in my company is is to love yourself because the biggest asset isn't isn't the systems and the things that we invest into. It's going to be you as a human being, and so you being happy, being passionate is going to be the most valuable thing that that you can bring to our organization. Yeah. No, I think um, I think it's especially good to work hard in your twenties. Yes. Um, you know, especially if you want to, I think a lot of people make the mistake of like, you know, work hard, play hard. Like you can do both. Yeah. Right. Um, you don't have to work up till like 4 a.m., you know. Yeah. Honestly, I, I try to tell people because I did the hard work, didn't sleep. And I yeah. got into a few car accidents my first few years. And I got yeah. like, I got like a it's messed not up. Good. Yeah. No. I got like ticks and things. Like I twitch a lot more than the average like okay. person. Like I twitch. Yeah. I mean like. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. But. Like, I, it, <laughs> like I, it was very unhealthy. But, but yeah, no. But I, I see your point. So like. I look back and I'm like, that, that ain't it. You know what I mean? I, it's not great. Because like, you know, we're all trying to like, you know, I guess we're all trying to become rich and powerful, right? Yes. But like you can't enjoy the money if you're in a hospital bed. Yeah, if you're in a hospital bed, or or also if you kill some mother or somebody in general. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I I got in like four or five accidents. Like fell asleep behind the wheel. Really. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like being in the sales industry. It's obviously very, like uh, there's the stigma of like just drugs, uppers, and things like that. I never got into any of that. Right. I grew up in that. You know what I mean? That household of like everything will kill you. So I just always had a paranoia that everything was. You know what I mean? Was like heroin. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was, because that's what my parents made everything seem like. It was like, oh, yeah, man. that's heroin. I'm be like, what? And uh, it took me a long time to realize that that's not the truth. But uh, yeah. even to this day, it's like not into, you know, any, any additives or yeah, anything no, like that. Yeah, no, me neither, no. I, I don't even drink coffee, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not, a, I'm not big. It's like, and when I feel like crashing, I, I th- what I've really found is like, uh, you know, your upper is take a nap. Right. You know what I mean? I'll take, a, I'll take a bunch of naps. I'll take a nap. But I think another thing that really hurts people, and I'll, I'll uh, we can wrap up. I'll, uh, I think of the, just, just the comparison of I think a lot of like our age group of like even up to like late twenties of just this expectation to have it all together. Everybody wants yeah. to have a hundred thousand in the bank, have a beautiful apartment or a house, have two cars, have a spouse or whatever it might be, have a great job or have some type of company or startup, and it's like that's awesome if that does happen but you know so what if it happens in your 30s your 40s or your 70s or your yeah. you know what i mean so it's like don't beat yourself up and then a lot of people they'll compare to like our parents yeah and i mean so probably more in america right of like where they could move out you know while they were just left high school and, and like i was asking my mom like what her apartment was when she moved out of high school and she was like yeah you know she was like uh, 400 a month and i was like and what was you know minimum wage she was like i think like 750 or something i was like yeah so do you see why you you know what i mean there's right. there's a huge discrepancy of like you're not getting a 400 a month apartment in chicago yeah you know yeah. What I mean? in illinois <laughs> yeah I, i'd say you know the whole thing about rushing you know it's like a, it's definitely a comparison but i think it comes from school too because like where you know we're kind of taught you're almost like, um, I know certainly like the school I went to, like I went to high school, like a very competitive high school. So yeah. I think a lot of people are just comparing each other, you know, comparing themselves to each other. Yes. Whether it was grades or kind of where, and then like where they went to college afterwards and things like that. But I think that sticks with you 
in a negative way beyond that. Um, because like, like, I, no, I'm very blessed. I live a very blessed life now, you know? Like I, you know, I, I'm financially doing very well and I enjoy a lot of fine things. Um, and I, you know, get to mingle with some amazing people and befriend some great accomplished um, people. But I think well, the thing I've realized, like, no one, uh, no one has it all together. No. no matter it's like they're a billionaire or, um, you know, a millionaire or someone making, you know, thirty grand a year. Like, literally, like, like they don't. No. No, people don't. So um, I think oftentimes you're just comparing, you know, your behind the scenes with people's highlight reels. Um, yeah. And that's usually not a great way to, to do things. So just, you know, focus on, you know, focus on like, you know. Focus on yourself and keep improving yourself. Like the only competition should be yourself. Yeah. No matter how hard that is. Like, like literally compare yourself to the way you were a year ago or two years ago. Yeah. And just compete against that person. Yeah. Um, and um, and over the years you'll see like you see great change. So, yes. Yeah. Well, fire. Thank you for uh, of course joining the podcast. Hopefully, in a year or so, we can get you on again and yeah. see see how life's going. No, for sure. No, thanks cool. for having me. Yes.